You're listening to a Tiger Hall podcast. For more interviews with many of the world's most inspiring business leaders uploaded daily, download Tiger Hall from the App Store or Google Play. Why should people care about psychological safety, Pippa? Mm. Is because creating those environments that show examples that psychological safety actually encourages productivity, encourages the right behaviors, then therefore creates more environments. It replicates. How does psychological safety impact your talent? Well, in the Tiger Hall is Kathleen Muller, Regional Vice President at SAP, who also happens to be a certified coach in the four stages of psychological safety. So to get us started on this topic, Kathleen, can you tell us, first of all, why should people care about psychological safety beyond beyond the buzzword? Well, Pippa, that's the question, isn't it? Why should we care? And that's because psychological safety is really addressing that human innate need. We all long to belong. That was like a poem. That was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, could you explain what psychological safety looks like in its very basic form? Can you break it down for us? Well, let's start with something that people will be more familiar with, which is school, Mm. as an example. When you're a new student or when you're trying out for that sports team or when you're trying out for that club, imagine yourself walking through the door of that club or that field or that court, for example, or that classroom. Mm. And you get a sense of tension or you get a sense of feeling like, wow, I belong and they're okay with me being a part of this group, of this class team, for example. At work, it's much the same. When people walk into or join a new team, productivity starts at day one. The potential of productivity, the potential of uh, somebody becoming so successful in their current role and in their future roles and contributing to the business starts from the time that they are initially included into the team or into the organization. Well, what are the hardest parts of organizations achieving this then? Because this sounds great. Obviously, we want everyone to feel happy and productive. The biggest thing that's holding us back is fear. Fear of what we don't know, fear of what we don't understand, fear of something or someone we've not experienced in the past. That is a big barrier to establishing and nurturing a culture of psychological safety in the workplace. In order for us to go ahead and address that, It's deliberate steps and thoughtful steps around encouraging other people to try and meet others. Diversity. This is where the whole diversity conversation comes in. Inclusion, meaning to say, it's okay if we are so different from each other. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Now, when you take a topic of leadership, for example, or leading with psychological safety, a leader's obligation to their team begins with encouraging people to ask or to create environments that are inclusive, that invite people in, rather than just expecting people to know that it's okay to walk in that door. Kathleen, given that creating a culture of psychological safety is easier said than done and requires real effort and commitment from the organisation and its leaders, Could you talk a bit more about any real-life stories of where there wasn't psychological safety and the journey towards changing that? Absolutely. 
I'll take a page from my book, if that's okay, Ooh, <laughs> from <yes>. my <laughs> figurative book. I work at an amazing technology company, global technology company, 100,000 employees strong. I have no IT background. I don't necessarily tick that box. But the business needed somebody who understood partnerships and channels and alliances. And although I had zero experience in the industry, in the technology, in the enterprise software industry, there was an invitation to say, hey, we need somebody of your background, very different background, to at least let us know what's going on. What are we missing? What are we not seeing? That's an invitation, right? That's an acceptance of, okay, you don't take a very standard box of, we need you to have 10 to 15 years of IT experience. But instead, you do have five to seven years of channel experience, and we don't have that today. So that's a positive. Somebody looked at the job description and said, yeah, we need to change that. We need to look outside of what we think we need at this time. The contrast to that is another experience outside of my current employer, but prior to my current employer. And, wow, that's difficult. You can tell that there's a pause there, right? Mm, Um, There's quite a bit of anxiety as well that, that comes with this story. A lack of psychological safety The experience is where I had walked into a telco, I had walked into a telco organization, and I was led to believe that it was was going to be a sales job. I was expected to know certain things about the job, customer service, certain KPIs I had never experienced before. And I had 30 days to figure out the job on my own. There was no training, there was no offer to shadow anybody And ultimately, I left. Ultimately, I was frustrated. I felt like I was such a failure. And for a decade, I blamed myself because I didn't know any better or I didn't try hard enough. And looking into psychological safety, I then realized that it wasn't just me. It was partly me, but it wasn't just me. That the organization had a responsibility to be able to say, hey, kid, you're coming into this job. This is what great looks like at this job. And we know you're not going to get it the first try, but at least here's your path. And here are a few people who can help you along the way. It all sounds very nice. I'm sort of almost imagining if there's a slightly old school, you know, someone with a slightly more sort of traditional mindset listening to this thinking, oh, come on, you just go into a new job, you get on with it. You know, we don't need to be talking about our feelings all the time. What's your rebuttal to that? Well, it's not about feelings. Mm -hmm. It's about an environment It's an an environment that encourages productivity. And that's where we kind of get into the four stages, right, of psychological Mm, safety, inclusion, learner, contribution, as well as challenger, right, steps in psychological safety. It's less about emotions and feelings. And it's really more about the conditions of the workplace. Okay. When we talk about conditions about the workplace and how psychological safety actually encourages productivity, it is specific to the tools, the engagement, the leadership trust, for example, and the development. When you take a look at your hire to retire, your employee life cycle, that has little to do with feelings. That has a lot more to do with do we have the framework in place that will allow our people, that support our people to become successful and find their way to better opportunities, different opportunities? And how is that impacting our business? If you take the contrast of this conversation where it's 
and I've heard that before. People have told me before, Kat, just get on with it, okay? Why do we need to talk about this right now? Mm. This is less important. Go do your job as a leader. Now, my job is to make sure that people are satisfied and aligned to what we are trying to do for the business, that our purpose is aligned to theirs, not the other way around. And in order for me to figure that out, in order for me to understand and honor the talent, I need to be able to create an environment that allows them to speak their mind. But what are some of the signs, Kathleen, if I'm a people manager and I'm looking at my team, what are some signs that they're not feeling psychologically safe? Silence. The biggest clue is when you ask a question and when you ask for feedback and you get no, nothing in return. There is no echo. It means people are either exhausted talking about what they really believe in and it's it's fallen on deaf ears and they've given up or people are afraid to speak up because of the fear of being judged, the fear of being excluded. The fear of, well, if I say this, then I lose the trust of my team. There's one little anecdote that uh, Dr. Timothy Clark, who has taken the four stages of psychological safety forward, in his book, in his intro, he does say, he does talk about um, an experience where his daughter was at a basketball game and he came to visit. And one of the placards that was raised in the stalls was uh, a student who said, I'm only here because I don't want to lose my friends. But it's very real. How many Mm -hmm. times have we said yes to something because we felt that if we said no, we would no longer be part of that group? How many times have we said yes to something because there was pressure that if we did not say yes, there would be severe repercussions to either our career or our family or our friends? We long to belong so listening to this, I'm thinking as a people manager, people managers listening, are they going to be worried like, oh gosh, I feel a bit like, a, you know, I might be treading on eggshells now. I'm so scared I'm going to say the wrong thing. I could say something to, to damage someone's well, psychological safety. Are there any things I absolutely should not say? We covered this a little bit already, but any absolute no-nos? Don't stop asking questions. The biggest no-no is refusing to ask questions. It's okay to find out that you as a people manager have an opportunity to elevate and enhance your team's experience. If you as a people manager are already feeling like you're walking on eggshells, Mm. that kind of does say a lot. (laughs) That does say that even you as a people manager feel like it's not psychologically safe to be a leader. And we don't want that. What we'd like is for people to be able to feel like it's okay to speak their mind that it will be received without judgment and instead it would be received with a desire to understand and with a desire for clarity. Because overall, in order for us to move forward, especially post-pandemic, as the economy rebounds, we're all going to get busy soon enough. The studies show it. Wouldn't it be amazing if we moved forward showing examples that people managers can now focus on helping their teams deliver more, become more successful, be ambitious, want the next job, want to be able to do really well in this job so that they can do well in the next job. All the people managers need to do is ask. Start asking that question. Ask those questions. Okay, so if I'm a people manager, but I think someone in my team has got something really quite wrong, does this mean I can't criticise them because I want them to feel supported, engaged and 
<laughs> all those other things. Let's take a look at the value of response. Right. How we respond to situations and people and other comments. The power of how we redesign our response to things that may not be ideal, things not, that may not be aligned to our desired outcome, really sets the tone. Let's take an example. Hmm. You would be my people manager and me, Kat, I am, I, I am that person who um, really screwed up, mm -hmm. right? I actually pissed off a customer, let's just say, right? I pissed off a customer, not happy. They do not want to talk to us forever, right? How you would respond to that is critical. Let's say a traditional, not necessarily a psychologically safe response to that would be, you know what? You have no idea what you're doing. You really need to think about this. I think, you know, you should just do something else. I think you should find your next job. Maybe you should leave the company as well. Or this just isn't working. Well, that's very negative. Well, it's big customer. Mm. Let's say it was a really big customer yes, and we just okay. lost a really big deal and we're at quarter end. A psychologically safe response would be, let's take a look at why that customer responded that way. And let's see what we can do to go ahead and recover that. We need to recover the account. We may not be able to recover that deal that we really wanted to close in the next, I don't know, three days. But let's see if we can do, we can play the long game and make sure that we are going back to this customer and repairing that relationship. How do you think we can best do that? Well, that just sounds like the difference between a nice person's response and a horrible person's <laughs> response. <laughs> ah, we are now delving into the thoughts of... Are people really born horrible? Are there really bad bosses? Or is it learned behavior? Mm -hmm. And so to your original question, why should people care about psychological safety, Pippa? Mm -hmm. Is because creating those environments that show examples that psychological safety actually encourages productivity, encourages the right behaviors, then therefore creates more environments. It replicates Other people get to see that we don't have to be mean and calling people in the middle of the night, asking them to do a job when technically they're supposed to be off already. It's when we are able to show examples of what great looks like, of what psychological safety can actually do for teams. We then create more people who then have an experience. And as they progress through the talent cycle, as they become managers themselves, they then get to execute on psychologically safe best practices. Oh, it sounds lovely when you it sounds really lovely when you put it like that. It's a lot of hard work. Yes, It's a lot will. of hard work. Well, okay, well so to the hard work, what are some of the first steps that you recommend our listeners take? If you are a people manager, I would strongly recommend working with your leadership team, working with your HR team to understand and set a baseline of certain measures of your team's environment. Leadership trust is essential for us to understand. Employee engagement scores and employee engagement beyond the virtual drinks, if you like, because we're now all on Zoom or Teams. The third thing that I'd love for our listeners to consider if they are people managers is really talking about psychological safety and what their team understands of it at this time. And again, it's setting a baseline. That's the most actionable thing that people can take at this, at this point. Now, if you're an individual contributor or if you are HR, for example, I would encourage you to read up a little bit more on 
how psychological safety and environments can actually impact your specific business. Take a look at your industry, look it up online. There are several case studies now that show that shifting to either a strengths-based leadership approach or a psychological safety leadership approach actually helps certain industries now move forward towards transformation. Okay. Thank you so much, Kathleen.